Welcome to the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast, where we celebrate the craft of poetry. Each week, we feature interviews with incredible poets and artists, including Olivia Gatwood and A.E. Stallings, and original poetry read by the authors. I'm your host, James Moorhead, poet laureate of Dublin, California, and author of Canvas and Portraits of Red and Gray. On this week's episode of the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast, we are featuring poems submitted to Viewless Wings and read by the authors. We love providing a platform for poets to share their words on viewlesswings.com and their voices on the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast. Visit viewlesswings.com to learn more about how to submit your poem for a future episode or find Viewless Wings on submittable.com. And now we turn the mic over to our first featured poet. My name is Linda Eve Diamond. My poems have appeared in journals, anthologies, and dancing poetry festivals. My website, which includes poetry, photographs, and publication updates, is lindaevediamond.com. The poem, A Question of Hope, was inspired by the painting Hope, by George Frederick Watts. And I struggled to find hope in this dark image, a blindfolded woman on a globe, holding an instrument with all but one string broken. She's curled up, leaning in, and her body, to me, looks like it might, when spun on the globe, reveal a question mark. I wrote this poem in an effort to find hope in this image, and as a way to explore the meaning of hope. A Question of Hope Hope is blind, folded, leaning in, breathing softly, listening for the broken liar's secret truth, holding on with all she has, imagining, creating, unlocking key notes with the shred of a string on the thread of a ring of plucky little plinks scaling up to the brink, circling back for the lost harmonious chords, becoming the music, the quiet, the breath, the embodiment of curiosity, a question mark spinning, exposed, on the outskirts of the spinning globe. This poem is based on a 1922 work of art by Paul Klee called The Twittering Machine, which shows contorted bird-like line drawings on a wire attached to a hand crank, and even their songs look unnatural. This strange contraption, and the title, of course, made me think of social media, how we're tied to it, and how it may be affecting us. The Twittering Machine Not since Father Time and Mother Nature invested in a mom-and-pop shop, employing watch and bird makers to hatch the cuckoo clock, have we had such a fine feathered invention as the Twittering Machine, a mastery at last of nature and machinery of man-made natural beauty, harnessing the bird songs, churning them out, each modified by the whirling worlds of spin therein, edgy, wired, spring-loaded, in keeping with the times, wound up and spun by cranks and Twitter machine operators, who now run an online, worldwide, human-sized Twittering machine, of people tied to the lines through spins and twists as it cranks views and moods, altering the songs of the people on the wire and the discordant harmonies of the choir. As the spit takes spin and no one remembers, 
the old ways of being or feeling or what the birds sounded like before. My name is Alex Stanley. I'm a graduate of Boston College. I received my MFA in creative writing at the University of California, Irvine. I'm a former sports journalist. My sports writing has been featured in Sports Illustrated. My published poems have appeared in 18 different magazines. I was a recipient of the 2021 Academy of American Poets Award. I reside in Costa Mesa, California. The poem I'll be reading today, Ruin, Canyon de Chez, was written on the road. I spent four months living out of my truck, traveling the southwest, stopping at every different uh, petroglyph, pictograph, spot I could find, trying to figure out what the first art of the southwest is and where I can continue that tradition. So, this was written in Canyon de Chez in Arizona. I took a horse tour with the Navajo guide. It was just me and him going through the canyon on horseback in late October. Ruin, Canyon de Chez. My Navajo guide pulls his horse to a chain link fence, rests his reins on the horn of the saddle. I pull mine. Here's the first ruin, he says. Where? I ask. If it were early morning, it'd be clearer. It faces east to catch the warmth of the sun at golden hour, he says. I strain my eyes to find the windows, the doorways. Which doesn't change the fact it looks more like a rock slide, he stops to laugh. I think some rock fell on top. White pictographs dot the canyon face above. Gods, rattles, men, horses, deer, turkeys, ducks, and handprints. The artists are gone, but they left what they found. By the present, gave to the future. Descendants who could come back to these striped canyon walls. After the battles, wars, marches, schools. They would make their way back into the mouth of this canyon. Look again on the waterways running upon its sand tongue. Away from the scars we now leave. Into the canyon again. Hi, I'm Angela Susich, a writer living in Leavenworth, Washington. In a previous life, I taught medieval literature at the University of Washington. More recently, I've been writing poetry. My chapbook, Illuminated Creatures, won the 2022 New Women's Voices chapbook competition and will be published next year by Finishing Line Press. The poem I'll be reading is part of that collection. A Pelican Feeding Her Young is an ekphrastic poem in syllabic verse and is inspired by an illuminated folio image in a 13th century Flemish manuscript. The image depicts a pelican wounding herself in the chest to draw forth blood to feed and revive her chicks. It's a common motif in medieval heraldry and also in bestiaries, such as the one that inspired this poem. The image was allegorized as Christ's sacrifice for humanity. 
After I became a mother two years ago, I got a new perspective on the notion of the self-sacrificing parent. Here's my poem. A pelican feeding her young. Illuminated folio, 13th century Flemish manuscript. It isn't religion, the sacrificing that mothers are expected to do. Sure, some might plunge beak into breast and draw forth their own blood, as pelicans were once thought to. It isn't true, though I find a fluid homology. So my mother didn't nurse me, but rocked and rocked until I slept. My own babe drinks till I'm bloodless, while I thirst for rest that I will never get. Consider then the volning pelican, from the Latin vulnerare, or to wound, a more poetic notion than the chewed up fish sliding down her chest to feed her young, though maybe I've done that too. It does show the messiness of parenting, how I have become we, and if this is piety, also how I am not alone in it. Yet the old books get it wrong when they depict her as a fierce eagle instead of the pouch neck she is. So heroic, who can live up to it? Show her ample gullet how she can still fly and hunt, provide for her young. If a motto flies on herald somewhere, let it not say a pelican in her piety. Let it read in her entirety. Hello, I'm Cynthia Dorfman. During the summer, I live in an old shoe factory in Wisconsin. After over 30 years working for the U.S. Department of Education as a writer, editor, director of publications, and communications manager, I returned my attention to creative writing. I have a master's degree from the Breadloaf School of English of Middlebury College, and my work has appeared in such online and print publications as Ekphrastic Review, Red Ogre Review, Passengers Pandemic Diaries, and the Library Love Letter. I'm a frequent participant in the Smithsonian's National Portrait Gallery writing program. My piece, Dangling Woman, is an ekphrastic poem inspired by the sculpture Songbird by Alison Saar. It hangs in the Chazen Museum of Art at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. At first glance, I thought the woman hanging from the rope was bound, restricted, restrained. When I looked more deeply, I saw her as released in suspension. I remembered how free it felt to hang from my knees on the chin-up bar at the playground when I was a girl, and how cleansing it is in an inversion yoga pose with legs raised overhead. The bird cage hanging from the woman's hair represents creativity and art to me, and I see the whole image as a symbol of rebirth, redefinition, and a woman's evolving into her authentic self. Dangling Woman I hang upside down in a time of misbelief. I am called upon to rearrange, to change, from the canon sermoned long ago. Exposed, I am upended, topple-turved with hair hanging on a rope to suspend ideas of birds. A girl, flighting in a head absent of mindful thought, a bird, 
wrought in a cage, bought by a suitor. Rush of blood draining, rust-stained skin hanging, my hair like a wick, cord for firing, holds the songbird's cage dangling. Now expecting, novel in the navel of feminine wiles, solo, swinging low from coir of my making, swaying as a lifesmith wields her sickle, blood rush in a gush of solace. Repose with eyes closed, my wrist cradles my neck. Freeze the noose of my hair to hang. I embrace the self, my core. Above my womb, my wound for life-giving. For I am rebirthing, forthcoming. The string umbilical, tuned to the canary singing. Hi, my name is Ipshita and I live in Oakland, California. By day, I work in product, and by night, I write plays and poems. This poem is part of a collection called The Dessert Lens, where I processed the experience of working for myself and running a business for the first time. This particular piece is titled Dulce de Leche Stuffed Churro, a favorite of mine that I regularly order from Los Cantaros Taqueria in Emeryville. This poem describes an exchange, a moment that is both expensive and fleeting, all at once. This rod doesn't mind biting. Dusty glitter quickly consumes your blouse. That chestal area is ever more attractive, they'll tell you mid-mouthful. Beastly behavior is required to dominate a fried stick. Gone slapped at, you're told. You walk up, order with confidence, and upon collection, it's still too hot to handle safely. The crisp shell glistens with the luring machismo, surely the bravado of its baker, offering a pitiful promise of pleasure. You find the futility surprisingly full of trite, sweet milk. Suddenly or a complete, finished, Successed. No resembling donuts or holes would warrant the prize this trick is. Put the foil casing on a shelf if you must, preferably shaped into a swan that will hold Mardi Gras beads ad infinitum. I have been writing since I've been accused of plagiarism in the seventh grade, and some of my poems have appeared in The Voices Project, Vine Leaves Press, Fredericksburg Literary and Art Review, and Panopazine. The inspiration for this poem was when I read that Henri Rousseau never traveled outside of France, and it was fun to show how his jungle pictures might have been inspired. When Henri Rousseau leaves his studio, he sees things differently. Lunch in a garden courtyard beneath a Paris balcony, where the ginger cat stalks prey in the passage of the mealyworm. A lion crawls behind the potted palms where the gypsy sleeps, and tigers glisten beneath the citron sprays from his lunchtime winter orange. Or he takes a midday walk along the city waters, midway between the river with its minor birds and the canaries sold at wooden stalls. 
He sees an old woman in a ripped sweater, the color of raw meat. Meat the hungry lion eats as the sun sets behind the jungle. Later, the full moon lighting his balcony, he stands above jungle flowers, grown as hyacinths, their blue light sounding the farthest poundings of the dreamer's night-long darkest dreams. Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast is written and produced by James Moorhead. You can follow me on Twitter at Dublin Ranch, subscribe to the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast, and follow us on viewlesswings.com or on Instagram at viewlesswings. <laughs>